Hi, and welcome back to the Fleet Navigator podcast and release plan, your go-to GPS for all fleet matters. I'm Matt Walters, and I'm joined once again by Andy Rayner. Hi, Andy. How are you? Hi, Matt. Very well. Yourself? Yes, not too bad. Excellent. So, we today are going to be talking about connected vehicles, the role that they have to play in, in particularly fleet going forward, vehicles on our road, when can we start to see autonomous, and the roles that both those elements of technology play a major part in electric vehicles. Um, so to some extent, we've enjoyed connectivity in our cars for some time. So whether that be making calls via Bluetooth, so for many years, or in-car navigation with the help of GPS, with real-time traffic information, you know, as, as part of that as well, and indeed collecting fleet data through telematics and, you know, live telemetry yeah. back to fleet and, and routing and that kind of thing. Yeah, and I think diagnostics as well. So, you know, engine faults and, uh, and the like. And again, providing fleet managers with some more proactive tools around looking after their fleet um, rather than in the past potentially just waiting for that service light to pop up actually getting ahead of the uh, the game onto your front foot to see what based on the mileage of the vehicle or the data that the vehicle is um, is producing as it's being driven along giving you a little bit more scope to manage your fleet and also has a massive impact on keeping that vehicle on the road yeah, vehicle on road is particularly important, especially for commercial fleet operators out there, but also tool of trade drivers. So yeah. those guys in, you know, estates with tools that, that need that car to do a job. So I guess, you know, looking forward, what's that next step? So we've currently got vehicles, you know, new vehicles generally are considered to be connected because they connect to the Internet of Things via 3G or 4G. We should also think about the fact that 5G has just launched in, yeah. in Limited in the UK, particularly around central London. But that's going to give speeds of about 10 to 20 times faster than 4G, expected to be about one gig per second. Wow. So that would be revolutionary once that starts being rolled out, depending on the price tag, of course. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's one of these things where we've kind of come to expect. So we're not, I don't think people are necessarily seeing a growth or they don't perceive a growth in connectivity. But last year it was estimated about just over 8 million vehicles currently connected in the UK. And that's actually twice what it was in 2016. The number then is expected to rise to almost 20 million in the next three years. So this is, and and more and more that the data um, networks support that, the more applications and facilities and uh, things that help you drive, help your vehicle and help you uh, as a fleet manager and as a driver will, will come on stream, I guess. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the, you mentioned telemetry and data and data regarding the vehicle. And that's only going to get more and more relevant, more and more common where, you know, telematics boxes aren't necessarily needed when the vehicle is communicating itself back to base in some shape, way or form, vehicle faults you know, something particularly wrong with the vehicle. I mean, we we kind of see some of it now in car when the vehicle's undergoing its own diagnostics, but being able to feed that back real time to some form of base, to some sort of monitoring is really quite powerful. Because some of the some of the benefits of connectivity are, I guess, quite small, really, and, and superficial. So streaming music in your car yeah. in the same way that we'd use Spotify or iTunes or whichever is your particular favourite app, being able to stream that directly in your car or a podcast such as this one, yeah. um, live rather than having to download it in the first place. But some are really large. So this data set about what behaviour is, what's happening to my vehicle, are there any problems? And of course, one of the things that we have to think about, as well as cars being connected to the Internet of Things, is cars being connected to each other. Right. So what we call V to V or vehicle to vehicle. And is this this acronym DSCR? Yeah, so DSCR or... Dedicated Short Range Communications. That's the one you've got there just before me. <laughs> <laughs> He's Mr. Acronym Police again. So 
in essence, thinking ahead, and this is probably this is this is going to be with us sooner than autonomous, certainly. Although autonomous is expected to happen between the next five to ten years, we'll come on to some of the issues facing it because the likes of Tesla and other manufacturers would argue that autonomous is ready now. The challenges and the and the reasons that we're not seeing more of it on the roads is is less to do with the technology. But certainly when vehicles are communicating with vehicles, and that's what's going to be necessary as part of autonomous. But in an electric vehicle world as well, um, if you think about some of the conversations we've had in previous podcasts, it's vitally important that electric vehicles understand what's happening on the roads around them. They may need to be rerouted for a different charging station because of an accident. So if you imagine a vehicle, let's say it's five miles ahead on the motorway, all of a sudden exhibits something, a sharp braking incident, or its collision sensors go off. That's then able to communicate with all of the vehicles around it, and it communicates that there's been an accident or that there's something to look for way ahead and and well ahead of time before the gantry signs go up, or you see something on your sat-nav saying there's some sort of warning. Your car will simply know and start warning you that you need to think about taking some sort of action. Yeah, and I think also there's, I mean, and this technology is here at the moment, and certainly in terms of plug-in hybrids and electrics, so particularly on plugins where they may be coming into a geofence so that so geofencing is that you can put a, a geographical region that monitors where either when you move into it move within it or move out of it that would actually say look hang on a minute you're approaching a electric only area yeah so therefore I'm gonna make sure you've got enough battery in the tank that will then stop the combustion engine and so you can move freely through the the electric only zone thus also making sure that you're affecting the uh, the cleanliness of the air or the reduction of the pollution that these zones are meant to uh, define or help mm. and let's face it you know we know our mobile devices so our phones now are able to understand what we're doing in the day so i will wake up in the morning and my phone will say well, i can see you're going to slough today because it says it in your calendar this is the weather and it's going to take you an hour and 45 to get there because the traffic is x y and z well is it then beyond the wit of man that that then connects to the vehicle and that also knows where it is i'm going it understands when there's a, a road traffic collision it might then say well actually you're going to need to refuel because you know yeah. you thought you were going to get there you're not or charge your vehicle for 10 minutes this is the nearest charging station that charging station for example will know whether it's number one available two booked three working and well that is so long as the garage actually tells the network that yeah. it's off network yeah, yeah. there is a, a garage on the m4 which is pretty infamous with its charging stations every time it rains a puddle forms they don't tell the network it's off but they just put a big piece of yellow tape around it so people don't use it because they think <laughs> they're going to get electrocuted because you know there you go these things are misunderstood so the connected world is is really taking off but also that vehicle to infrastructure piece or v2i around gantry signs communicating with vehicles and actually the removal of gantry signs ultimately. And there was a study done, I was at a conference a couple of years ago called ASINs, which is all about autonomous and connected. And they were saying that if they could change the gantry signs so that they would work in single miles per hour rather than factors of 10 miles per hour in London, they'd save something like 2 billion a year because of the way the traffic flows. If they then maximise that to remove the gantries and so it's just communicating with the cars themselves and the cars are communicating with each other, the savings are, are, are magnified by a factor of So there's some big benefits around this. I guess, for me, one of the big concerns, though, is this data being agnostic. So will individual manufacturers behave as individual manufacturers do? 
I think the answer is probably yes, because yeah. history shows us that's what But that's do. where the money is as well, isn't it? You know, I think it's who holds the data. They get to charge for it or they get to report on it. As that becomes more ubiquitous as we see it around us, then the cachet or the, the value diminishes in terms of what people can charge for it. So there's always, history tells us, the provider of that or the keeper of that has their arm around it. And that can often limit the progress, I think, because people are saying, well, hang on a minute, I'm in that, in that part of the country, or I'm that and that type of manufacturer. And until we see true sort of sharing across either complete networks or complete manufacturer base, it does become a struggle. But, you know, again, you're looking at sort of future stuff, but undeniably what was data that was being collected for years not without our knowledge but with with no real use to it it's there and it's a th- it's right in front of us it's not science fiction and i think certainly with electric vehicles in terms of we were talking about when we did our electric vehicle podcast the ability to plug that vehicle into the grid to see what you've used in terms of power so before you start charging there may be a way of feeding the grid That's first right. but also if you look at the work tesla have been doing this exists at the moment currently you know you could at some point contact them and say i need some more battery to get me home and they reconfigure the the vehicle and they go there you go you've got another 20 miles or or whatever it's because you're not you're never using all of what it needs so again as a as a kind of get me home solution we'll be using connectivity when we go to the the electric power source or powertrain this will become even more important in terms of where we can charge how we can use and actually because most of it will be software uh, and reconfiguration and not i'm emptying fuel but i'm actually what my problem is the redistribution of power within my vehicle then yeah our reliance on it will be uh, yeah more and more and more i suppose it's interesting you should mention tesla have you heard about robo taxi do tell so this this sounds a bit futuristic but this is here now and actually the technology has existed and has always existed in every Tesla vehicle have ever sold and can be activated with one of their general updates. So this will give you an idea as to where autonomous is. So RoboTaxi is basically a friends and family collaborative tool. And in essence, when you park up at work, the capability is there. So if I park up at 165 Bath Road in Slough and my wife happens to be in Windsor for the day and she wants to use the car, she's actually able to request through RoboTaxi that my car goes to her location and picks her up. So my car will leave 165 Bath Road Slough, will drive itself to Windsor, drive myself to my wife's location so she can use the car. And we are assured that that is working now. The challenge for all autonomous and driverless, which is what we're talking about now, is around some of the health and safety legal and ethical debates. The fact of the matter is that the responsibility still has not been sorted out. So when my vehicle is driving in fully autonomous mode, whether I'm in the car or not in the car, who is responsible should something go wrong? When the car needs to make a decision as to, I'm going to hit something because something's going to happen, do I hit the pedestrian that's right in front of me or cause an accident by hitting the car in front of me, or do I avoid the car and potentially hit the pedestrian? When it makes that decision and something happens, who is responsible? Because at the moment, it's still the individual. Mm. And whilst it remains the individual that's in charge of the car or responsible for the car, autonomous isn't going to work because 
people won't be able to take their hands off the wheel completely. So some real challenges there. So that's kind of the legal insurance side. And then there's the ethical moral side. Yeah. What happens when vehicles are forced to make that decision? You're always going to get, you know, what we affectionately call idiots on the road. And they will look to mess with, in inverted commas, electric cars because people are stupid Mm. some of the time. And if you were to replace everything on the road with autonomous vehicles now, it would probably work. But autonomous vehicles have to worry about everything else. Absolutely. So that's that's a really big challenge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny. I had this discussion in the classroom a few weeks ago, and someone said, oh, yeah, but, you, you know, it's years off because once if the computer goes down as you're driving. I said, look, I do 30,000 miles a year, and I see the madness on roads, and my... We've been dealing with computers going down for years. It just happens to be called road rage or a lack of insight or a a moment of madness. So I think we have to be, you know, you you raise really good ethical questions and, you know, and not all of them have been sorted. And you find that with a lot of technology. We saw that with the rise of telematics a few years ago. You know, telematics as as a product is great. You know, who wouldn't? However, there is an issue of, from a driver's point of view, is where does the line stop between where my company gets to say where I am, where I go, and the like. So for me, if it was just a tick box of saying that this is great technology, who wouldn't have it? Yeah, sign me up. But we have to navigate. Often the technology comes and then it suddenly creates this new ethical dilemma. You know, I mean, we we didn't have the issue of driving on a mobile phone until mobile phones came along. There wasn't such things as texting and driving and, and hands-free because that wasn't that piece of technology. So the technology is great. And then suddenly we have to catch up from, a, oh, yes, now this is a distraction or this mm-hmm. is a, a dilemma. But I think that's we should relax about that or get involved with the debate because that is part and parcel of it uh, rather than that's the reason it won't happen. This stuff will have to be and will be worked out. And again, as you rightly said, it's a great point you made. If we went full at everyone electric tomorrow, great. Everything's got crash detection. Everything's got connected car. Everything's, yeah, but we don't. Um, so there will be a period of, of transition where we're driving alongside someone who isn't maybe as ac- actually as accurate as the decision making my autonomous vehicle mm-hmm. is making. And I think, you know, from a, a general data protection regulation, I was going GDPR on that. You know, there's also the other issue about, well, what other stuff is it collecting that I need to, uns- you know, so where I go, and where, who owns where the I data, am, right? and who owns that, absolutely. And that's, again, we're expecting European ruling on this kind of thing because it hasn't happened yet. And that debate continues as to, is it me as the driver? Is it my company because it happens to be a company car? Is it, is manufacturing? it, is it the leasing company even because wow. they're the owner yeah. of the car? Yeah. Or has the manufacturer got entitlement to some of that data? So, you know, those, those lines are fairly blurred at the moment. And you're quite right. When these cars do understand, and I was in I was in telematics for eight years before I joined LeasePlan, and that was always part of the debate. It's why these telematics devices have privacy switches. Mm. So whilst it can still track the vehicle, it can't track its location. So it can still get right. some data. Yeah. But, you know, you mentioned geofencing. So geofencing, geolocation, that kind of thing is, is turned off. However, the unit is still collecting the data. Yeah. It's only suppressing it from the external source. So that's a big big piece you mentioned gdpr general protection and again that all fits in to that whole debate and it's one that we're going to have to watch with some interest as to 
Is it me using the vehicle, therefore it's my data, or is it something different? Yeah, and I think, you know, there'll be some solutions out there. You know, the, maybe one of the solutions is that it's about the black box or the unit becomes a, a transmitter rather than a receptacle. So if some way, in shape or form, it, it was able to collect the data and pass it on to something like a neutral server somewhere sort of cloud-based that says, okay, I'm like a, a bank, so I've already got the consent I've already got the safeguards. I've already got the cyber security and infrastructure around that so that actually it's only there momentarily, maybe uploaded the moment the engine comes off, right? Black box is emptied at like there's no valuables left in this in this van sort of thing, mm. you know, at the end of every journey or the end of every cycle. So if that vehicle was stolen, uh, for example, or that black box was removed if it was an independent unit that there's actually no because that's the other issue is that has that got in the wrong hands is that can someone see where i go to work so yeah. someone so somewhere where we've got the holder of the data and it's there we can focus on the legal and the and the consent within it and the other is just a, a way of getting that information to that server that's the two-step lease plan strategy yeah so knowledge and consent and open the black box. Yeah. So so this piece around device agno- agnostics and encouraging manufacturers to use a common platform. We often find, you know, we think in the UK we have potentially more power in terms of lobbying than, than we do. Most manufacturers mm. are based elsewhere. Yeah. But manufacturers are going to have to join forces if, if this stuff's going to work. Okay. You can't have a network of BMWs not being able to communicate with a network of Mercedes. It, no. it doesn't make sense. And you... You have to be believed that the manufacturers are going to get there in terms of some form of some sort of uniformity. And again, making sure that drivers understand what data is there, what data is in use by the organisation and why. I think that's a really important point. Yeah, and, and what they want to share and what they don't want to share and with whom, I suppose. Yeah. So connected is is one of the strategic pillars and autonomous is, is another one of them going forward. And Leaspan have got a staying very, very close to this in the UK with its work with ASINs and others, with conversations with the manufacturers, but also across Europe mm. and in and more general com- conversations. Because, you know, we have aspirations to be pioneers in a, as a sustainable company. We're moving to a fully electric fleet by 2021, end of 2021. So it's crucial that we understand the capability yeah. and what these vehicles and these technology are going to be able to bring us. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think because they do bring a lot and they're things that it's not like, oh, well, these are just little cherries on top. You know, this is this will be the way that we are in 20 years time. And for us not to explore it because there are some unanswered questions would be the same thing of not exploring electric until there's a charging point in every corner or a, a vehicle on, on every forecourt. It's, you know, mm. the time for mm. it's happening. You know, say eight million vehicles already connected, looking to go up to 20 million in another three years time. So we best be ahead of the curve, which I, I like to think we are, you know. Yeah, the fact we're having this discussion, this podcast yeah. um, says that, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think so. Absolutely. As always, don't forget, you can go to insights.leaseplan.co.uk where you'll find links to the Navigator podcast as well as useful information for you. But I think for now, hopefully we've explored this whole connected car piece and just brought a bit of uh, simplicity to the science behind it. So uh, for now, we'll see you next time. See you in the future.